This is Disney Forever. Welcome to our perpetual Disney movie investigation podcast. I'm Void. I'm here with my co-host Katie, who has amazing poll quotes like this. I liked you better as a rabbit, Charlie. <laughs> Today's feature presentation is Bedknobs and Broomsticks from 1971. Katie, what is this one? It's a movie about World War II and magic or something like that. I don't know. It's it's a weird one. Um, So I pulled history from this. It is loosely based on two different books from the same author that they kind of like put together. So it's based on The Magic Bednam or How to Become a Witch in 10 Easy Lessons. That's the name of one book. What? And then the other book. I know it's a really complicated compound title. And then the other book is called Bonfires and Broomsticks. So those two together became this movie and they were both written by Mary Norton. Like is so The Magic Bednam or How to Become a Witch in 10 Easy Lessons. That's the title of one book. That is the title of one book, yes. That is the dumbest. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Not a good title. Magic bed knobs. I don't even know what a bed knob is. Well, I do now, but... Now you do, because you've seen this. Um, so the film rights for this one were acquired when negotiations for Mary Poppins stalled out. So Disney went out and acquired the rights for this one instead. But then after Mary Poppins was acquired and it got greenlit and it started moving forward, they just put this one to the side and it went on hold for years and years. Um, so it kind of got pushed out as like a second class citizen uh, of a That's movie. messed up. Yeah. Um <laughs> is not as good as mary poppins uh so the first edit of this film originally had a runtime of 141 minutes and katie imagine how long this movie already felt and then add another 23 minutes on top of it no that's yeah it's too much um and that was because it had to be under 120 minutes because of restrictions at radio city music hall for the film's premiere so that was technically like the theatrical cut was after they made those last minute uh edits from the film um and apparently the footage they cut out it included an entire subplot and three different musical sequences that didn't make it into the final film like I can't even imagine that many extra musical sequences in this movie. That'd be crazy. There was already too many. I know. Um, the film earned five Academy Award nominations, and it won the award for Best Special Visual Effects. Overall, it got mixed reviews from critics, and it grossed uh, $11.4 million in rentals in the U.S. and Canada. So, Katie, what'd you think of this one? Um, I don't know what i thought this movie was going to be about but it definitely wasn't world war ii with magic yeah it threw me for a loop it's a witch during like early world war ii and it has lots of mary poppins vibes and it's just like not what i was expecting but also i agree i don't know what i was expecting either i do wonder what this movie would have been like if they hadn't made mary poppins first like, yeah, you can definitely see, like, the thematic vibes through both of them, though. Yeah, like, I wonder if if this had been made first, then would would it had would it have had so many of the, like, Mary Poppins-esque stuff? Unless that's also in those books. I don't know. I've never read them, so I wouldn't know. Yeah, I don't know. So that kind of gets into the moments. There's, I don't even know where to focus here. There's a couple different things. So... It's Angela Lansbury, and she's a witch. And there's a sequence near the beginning where she has a broom, and she's, like, trying to learn how to become a witch. And it just gave me these vibes of, like, what if Harry Potter was, like, a 40-year-old Angela Lansbury? <laughs> it was really, like, it was kind of weird. Um, but the movie goes on. She ends up, like, adopt not really adopting, but she's, like, fostering these kids because the war is going on. And they end up in this 
situation where they have a psychedelic flying bed that can take them anywhere if you like talk to the bed knob and turn it correctly and then she goes and she meets the witch's professor and she turns a lot of people into rabbits that's kind of like the whole first half of the movie right yes it kind of is it's it's weird um and then they go to a cartoon island and it's like live action and cartoon mix, but it's like better. It's better done than Mary Poppins, which makes sense because the technology has evolved for a couple years at least. Um, and I like the next thing that comes to mind is like jumping way ahead in the sequence. So was there anything in the first two thirds of the movie that I just glossed over that you wanted to call out? There, this is such a weird one. I mean, she kind of gets conned into fostering these kids yeah in a way but then she's also like a practicing witch because apparently there's witches against nazis yeah because that's what she was learning she was learning magic to help fight the nazis and i was like this is okay i mean sure sure why not (laughs) but what was it they like the whole purpose of like them flying away is that there was like some spell final spell that that she needed but it was missing from the spell book or something and so that's why they fly to that like cartoon island thing where they play in the soccer match yep to try to get like the last spell it's yeah weird and they meet up with the person that's like her teacher kind of it's like a it's like school by pen pal kind of it's like a a male course that she's taking mm-hmm. um and he ends up being just a complete con man but then he's like one of the other main characters of the movie and he's the same guy who plays the dad in mary poppins they didn't really branch out too far when looking no. for <laughs> characters because i think he plays the exact same kind of person basically i mean instead of being like a banker he's you know a kind of a con man but his character demeanor overall is essentially the same yeah it's he's the same person just different job yeah and so one of the things i want to call about is about his character specifically when they get to the part in the story where it's like the end of the third act and he's like leaving all of them get so torn up over the fact that he's leaving and they act like he's basically their adopted father figure and like he's one of the most important things like to all of them and they can't imagine living without him and all these things and i just kind of sat back and was like They've only known him for maybe 12 hours. Maybe. Well, it might have only been like four, but it hasn't been very long. In in Disney hours, that's a lifetime. I guess. It's weird. And okay, so that's the end of the third act. And then he and then a German attack comes. Yes. And there's a surprise fourth act to the movie. <laughs> you think it's over, but it's not. I thought it was over. I thought there was no way. Like, the movie was coming to an end. It was so obvious that it was almost over. And then there's just a German attack that comes out of nowhere. And she ends up using, like, this historic British armor and giving it the power of locomotion to defeat the World War II-era German army. And I just didn't see the movie going this way at all. It's a magic movie in Disney. Of course it went somewhere haywire. Well, I mean, you can't have a movie where they're talking about World War II and the Germans uh, and then not have them 
somehow magically like show up at her house to do a training drill and attack. It's so strange. So, I mean, okay, that kind of gets us to the bad and the good. Um, The bad from my end, uh, the movie's really weird. The plot is really strange where it goes. But the thing that bugged me above all else, which we didn't even talk about in the moments, but, like, Charlie as a character, he is such a little, like, manipulative jerk of a little kid. I just hated his character the entire time. He was the worst part of the movie for me. They always have it, like, for some reason, there's some sort of trend in these movies during this, like, time frame where they have to have one little kid who's just a little jerk i don't know what that's about yeah how about you any bads that jump out um i mean most of the movie wasn't particularly (laughs) great okay nor memorable yeah um the good i found a couple things right so Mm -hmm. i kind of mentioned the animation and the live action mix is pretty well done the story i mean i guess as a children's story it's kind of on par with mary poppins but not quite as good um but the the two things that really jumped out to me were the practical effects they used of moving the objects around um was really well done that was like excellent execution and then also they have an extremely well-trained rabbit in different shots of this movie because she keeps turning people into a rabbit Mm -hmm. and it's always the same rabbit but like that rabbit earned its paycheck for sure (laughs) nice job rabbit yeah i thought so any good from you um i mean they definitely up their game on the animation and live action mix because the baseline right was mary poppins so it was only you know could only go up from there um and the magic stuff was pretty cool because it did a pretty good job with like making it seem like it was really going on um, with what they had for the time frame. So the practical, like you said, like the practical effects were pretty good. Yeah, I thought so too. Mm-hmm. So would you watch it again? No, thanks. I'm good. <laughs> okay. I said probably not. Uh, yeah, just probably not. Um, Okay, if you guys are watching along with us, what we have coming up next, we're going to do Muppet Treasure Island from 1996 and then the Apple Dumpling Gang from 1975. We're actually getting near the end of the 70s, so we're kind of excited about that, to put that decade behind us. Not quite there, but we're getting there. Um, I think, is Apple Dumpling Gang like our last one from that era or not quite? Uh, No, we have a couple others. because there's other ones like you added. There's like some other like... We basically picked all of the ones from the 70s that are like the big name ones. Yeah, because there was a lot of just kind of like meh movies in there that were obvious that you guys don't want to hear us just talk about bad ones. We're trying to talk about the interesting ones and the good ones, basically. It's it's the ones that that everyone. Well, not everyone, but um, people who More know well known. who know Disney, like historic Disney stuff really well, like. Bedknobs and Broomsticks, The Apple Dumpling Gang. I've heard of these movies and never seen them. So that's why yes. they're on the list. Exactly. Um, and don't forget, we're part of a network. There's podcasts, there's streamers, there's the Geek- Geekery blog, all of that and more at geek2geekmedia.com or go to geek2geekmedia.com slash subscribe to get sent to you. That brings us to Weekly Geekery. Katie, what do you geek out about this week? Well, it has been officially announced that BTS will be doing their mandatory military service in Korea. Um, it's been a heavily debated topic for, well, years, actually. Um, because South Korea has a mandatory military service um, 
law, basically. So all men between the ages of 18 and 30 must serve at least two years in some area of the military, um, unless they have some sort of like exemption for medical reasons. Um, the other exemptions that they give that I understand are for great service to the country in some way, shape or form. So people who are, uh, medal winners in the Olympics that represented South Korea, they don't have to serve in the military. Interesting. Yeah. And there's like some other, some other exemptions too in there, but there is one area that's not exempt, which is music musicians or people who, um, like K-pop people. So there's been a lot of debate back and forth about whether or not they wanted to add in a new clause into the law about allowing, um, K-pop artists or people within that industry to also be exempt if they, you know, provide a great service to the country. And so recently there's been a lot of debate because BTS brings in a lot of money to the economy in South Korea. Right. Like tourism and all different kinds of stuff. So they've really like done a lot. And recently South Korea did a massive bid for the world, um, the world, world expo um that's going to be happening in 2030 so they did a massive live uh free performance in busan on saturday and they wanted to the government wanted to analyze what the economic impact of that performance and that bid would be and BTS and their company basically got sick and tired of being jerked around and being used for, well, capitalism, pretty much. Sure. And they made the official announcement that they'll be doing their mandatory military service with no exemption. The first person to leave will be Jin uh, after he releases a solo um, song at the end of this month. So he'll be leaving in like November. And so BTS will not be BTS until 2025. And then is everybody going to freak out and there's going to be a huge comeback to her? Probably. So okay. there most likely will be because a lot of the plans that they had were put on hold due to COVID. They had this like massive tour planned, which I mean, I had tickets to and it was going to be like the tour to end all tours kind of thing. And then they had planned to take a break after it and pursue some solo things. And then obviously none of that happened because their massive tour got canceled. COVID happened. So they did the permission to dance tour. Like wasn't even really a tour. Like they did the four shows in LA and then they did the four shows in Vegas, the, the shows in Korea. And then they went on hiatus, um, to pursue, uh, some solo interests. So they've been like, working on putting out their own solo music and like J-Hope performed at Lollapalooza. Um, So they're doing all of that. But then obviously like this has to happen. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens because they do bring in a lot of money and they're very, they're huge visual like representation for Korea. But I think with BTS on an official like massive hiatus, it will allow other K-pop groups to kind of get into the spotlight and not take their spot, but like 
BTS paved the road to a certain way for Korean groups internationally. So it will allow them to shine a little bit brighter while BTS is doing their military service because a bunch of other K-pop artists are in the military currently like Shonu from Monster X is doing his service, Taemin from Shiny. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. It's sad, but um, yeah, but interesting, but interesting because I think what's going to happen is that it's going to kick all the people who are like armchair fandom people who just like to cause problems. It'll just get them to leave the fandom. And it might be a better, <laughs> less toxic place because the <laughs> BTS army is real toxic. Not all of it, but enough of it, enough of it to where it makes yeah. it almost not fun to be part of mm. like the fandom. Um, but I'm thinking that like with them being on like an official full hiatus for three years, the toxicity will get less. Well, hopefully. Yeah. Cool. What about yeah. you? Um, for me, I want to call out uh, a new game that I just started playing. I don't have deep thoughts about it because mm-hmm. it's super new, but it's called Marvel Snap, and it's a mobile game. Um, it's a mobile digital card game, and I like interesting mobile games when they hook me. I really like digital card game if it's well constructed, and this is one where it's super fast to play, and that's maybe my favorite thing about it is that like it's a great mobile experience because the whole game is, I mean, like a lot of card games, um, it's like a turn-based game but it only has six turns and then you're done so even though i love games like magic the gathering and you know i like playing like magic the gathering arena and stuff like that that i've talked about in the past one of the biggest things with those games that makes me fall off from them is how long some of the matches draw out like magic the gathering you're usually playing from like 15 to 30 minutes per match probably um and marvel snap basically all of the matches that i played have been like five minutes maybe seven like they're really quick to just pick up and play on your phone so i'm curious to see if i stick with it but my initial impressions are that it's it's really fascinating and it was easy to get into and i like what they're doing so far thanks yeah so if anyone's interested it's out on kind of all the mobile devices and i think maybe pc as well so super easy to grab that's probably it for tonight. Uh, you guys can find us all over the internet. Our email address is DisneyForeverPodcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at DisneyEverPod. You can also talk to us in real time by joining our Slack workspace or Discord server. I blog at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at GRNMushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. Uh, you can also find me on both Twitter and Instagram by searching uh, the handle at Lady Catherine P. I'm also the co-host of two other podcasts with my best friend, Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea, and you can't stop me loving K-pop. This has been Disney Forever with Katie and Void. We'll be back next week as long as Disney keeps making content. That can't be forever, right? I mean, they're all about them weird mashup movies. So I'm sure we'll get more. Mm-hmm.